This is an Ask Brothers production. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Ask Brothers Rant. Download all our content on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Spotify. And if you like what you hear, don't forget to smash that subscribe button. Enjoy. Um, pop, dip, pop, ass brothers. Doodly up, pop, fuck you. Fucking ass brothers. Yeah. Yeah. We are live. <laughs> Oh my god, what have I just come into? I was like, we're sitting there before the show, and I was just like briefly oh. said to Scotty, like, what music what should I, I do? You know, like I do the intro music now, I just put uh, up the I... avatar and start singing, and I could never, because I, I legitimately never plan anything, like I plan nothing, I just started singing, what was I even fucking singing? Hanson. Yeah, umbop. Oh, did umbop for us, brothers. Oh my god. Yeah, and oh you can god. see why my hands were in my face. Jesus Christ, you man. Can also, you can also see why we have zero live listeners. Oh, <laughs> 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 uh, boys, this is going to be even less organised than what it usually is. So, uh, not that anyone's tuning in right now, but for people who do end up listening to this. Uh, this is Manny's show, and Manny's gone fucking walkabout. We've got messages from him on his Facebook a couple of hours ago saying how much he's looking forward to uh, to getting on here and having his rant on his show. Because don't forget, this is his show. This isn't OG Max's show. This is this is Blackzilla's show. This is the Shakespearean Jens Lehman's show. This is fucking. Darkness, Black McConaughey show. But he's fucked off. So, like, I've got to take over his show. And even though I, I rarely prepare for a, an Ask Brothers Rank cast, a monthly review, I generally have some idea about what I'm talking about. But this was really Manny's baby. We've had some brief chats about what Manny uh, wanted to talk about. So, First things first, with Manny not being here, I think we should say bruv more. I, I think that's the first point of call. So, boys, anywhere you can put in bruv, anywhere you can be like just really excessively forceful within your point. And just remember, if you don't like something someone says, you know, find your inner Manny and tell them to shut the fuck up, bruv. It's always, it's all you've got to say after everything, right? Right, 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 right. No, no, but, but let's just like get this, this right. right. I want to go around the table, right? Right, everyone say right, right, right. right. All right, we're done. We're ready for Manny. We're ready. <laughs> hey, we got two listeners. Hey, two listeners. We can't fucking find Manny, so we're doing the show without him. Uh, leave your comments in the box. We'll we'll try to get around to them. So, guys, after that fantastic handsome fucking intro and some black stereotyping and general racism we are ready to go with the show <laughs> and <laughs> and i mean to take manny's topic manny's topic started a couple of weeks ago uh with the idea of death to the arsenal way death to the arsenal way and i know for a fact that both him me i know you guys we've spoken about it as well that this concept of the Arsenal way is something that I think we all think has been standing 
in the way of Arsenal Football Club. It's been hindering Arsenal Football Club. It hasn't been helping us, maybe not even just over the changeover period with Unai Emery, but I would say also with the period of time, I guess the less period of time, less successful period of time to do with Arsene Wenger. And and I guess to start off with, it'll be really interesting to kind of motor around the room and uh, and find out what the Arsenal way is, right? Dan, what are you? Uh, right. 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 What are you? What are you? What are you? <laughs> kind of, I guess, when you look into your, you know, as a as a over twenty year old Arsenal supporter, when you look into your inner Arsenal, what do mm. you see as the quotation mark Arsenal way? I think there's a quite a deluded approach to this Arsenal way. There hasn't been an Arsenal way since the kind of uh, earlier sort of days of Arsene Wenger when he first came into the club at Highbury and we started to actually install philosophy. We went through the, the the kind of French connection coming through and then we started to play this sexy football and then we did move to the Emirates and we still played it. And we had some of the players that had left in terms of the Invincibles. But for me, we always had a style and a philosophy. And when I saw the likes of these youngsters coming through and we moved to the Emirates, and we were putting so much debt. We still had the Van Persies, the Fabregas's, uh, the Aaron Ramses and Jack Wilshers of this world that were coming through and were in, it being installed into this uh, pretty football, which was a tick attack away. But really what we didn't have was any physical presence. We're all very lightweight. Um, and then we never really kind of get uh, recruitment right with that kind of style of player, you know, the Jack Wilshers and the Sammy Nasri's and the Andrea Chavins and the Santi Cazorla's, they were all very pretty to play football and watch, but they never really had that steel in midfielder at the back. And that was what really let us down. But this Arsenal way was always that it got to the stage of us playing one twos, one twos, brilliant football, walking the ball in, walking in reds was always being sang around where I sit. And I think the Norwich goal at the Emirates really kind of, uh, uh, kind of epitomised what that meant. And that was the Jack Wilshere goal. It kind of flicks and tricks and then it walks it in. That hasn't happened for a while for a while now for me. And I believe in the last couple of seasons under Arsene Wenger, um, it didn't happen. Even when we won the FA Cups, it wasn't this amazing tick attack of football that we uh, are known for or have been known for uh, previously. And I think that people still live in the past uh, in terms of the fans. I think there's still 15 years ago when we were winning stuff, going seasons unbeaten, getting into Champions League finals, doing things the Arsenal way. 49-49 uh, undefeated, playing football the Arsenal way is the tune. And I don't think that we can be said for the last probably 10 years at least at Arsenal because I don't feel that it has been uh, always pretty football. I think it's been lightweight. Certainly the last few seasons since Wenger's gone, there hasn't really been a style implemented for me. So when people still say we want to be going the Arsenal way, that's living in the past. People still say it now. Oh, this isn't the way that we should be playing football. Why? People need to wake up and be in the reality that we're no different to Everton at the moment. We're starting again. We're looking to find a style. And Arteta is now trying to build that and install that philosophy with us so that we can move forward. Uno Emery started off pretty well, in my opinion, got to the stage of high intensity and off-the-ball pressure. We started to kind of implement a style which was playing out from the back. And we did score some good goals, if you remember, in the early stages under Uno Emery. We scored a great goal against Leicester at home, which Ozil was 
turning up for in one of the only games he's turned up for since um, with a Bamiyang's goal. We scored a great goal against Fulham away that Aaron Ramsey ended up tucking away with a little flick. We scored a great goal against Chelsea that Iwobi put away and we started to see a style. All of a sudden it started to go wrong when players started to play out of position. Then we saw them down tools on Unai Emery. Now it's starting again. So this uh, kind of philosophy that we should be playing football the Arsenal way, that's been gone for more than two or three seasons. That's been gone for almost 10 seasons now. Just for the pure fact that the style of player has never been uh, different. And I think that we are now starting to see where Arteta can take us. We're starting to see similarities to Pep Guardiola's tactics. We're starting to see the fact that there is some fight installed back into them. And we're starting to see players step up. I believe now we have got a more off the ball, high intensity style. So if that can be the Arsenal way under Arteta, then what his job is now to do is to be backed, which I'm still not sure he will be. But let's get the players in that want to play the Arteta way and let's see where we can go with this team. Scunny, Dan touches on there that even towards the end of the Arsene Wenger era, there may have been a shift from what the Arsenal way was at the beginning of his era when he took over that English four horsemen back four and then started feeding in, you know, the French guys and the World Cup winners to, I guess, that middle period. Let's call it that 2000. Let's post... um, post-Invincibles era, that 2006, 7, 8 era, and then into, I guess, his final iterations of his team as well. So is the idea that an Arsenal way was something that existed for the entirety of 22 years of Arsenal Wenger a fucking fallacy? Uh, <clears throat> I, I, I don't know. I can say more than what Dan's just said, to be fair. I might as well just... Because he we, fucking we, asked me, me and you might well question. Do you want to... Do you want to fuck off and we'll just... Yeah, like on, He's mate. already I mean, had his man, own podcast. I've already, yeah. I already do my own thing, man. I like no, being no. a guest. Stop it. <laughs> it's not just that, mate. You've just pretty much said everything about it that what we probably... That's that's a whole hour in 10 minutes that you've just done there, mate. So we <laughs> yeah. might as well just fuck off. Yeah, yeah you carry on, mate. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, yeah, it's what you were saying, Max. Yeah, definitely. I think yeah, when you say play... Like we say before, like the 49 undefeated, like Dan was saying about playing football the Arsenal way, I think after that... And we started seeing the players leaving, like we saw Vieira leave, and people started retiring and moving on. It just, we just sort of got rid of that Arsenal way. So how it's when we say we want to carry on, you know, what I mean, that Arsenal way. It, it was dead and I think it was probably dead and buried like fifteen years ago. Anna's Anna's uh, desperately hurt us. Yeah, it's like this, like seeking what we had like seeking what we had before and not being able to accept that mm. not only have times changed, squads changed, players changed. But I mean, if yeah. we look back at the at the premiership and we look back at the, I guess I see it as kind of like three key patches of domination. Maybe we're moving into a fourth patch of, of domination now, but I remember that Arsenal team being dominant. Then I remember Chelsea coming in and changing the scope of things and it going from a prettier style of football to Mourinho's, like bringing in giants who would hold up the ball and run hard. I mean, essentially, that was the invention of the the Claude Makélélé role, you know, the genuine, decisive, uh, kind of box-to-box, side-to-side defensive midfielder. Then I remember City coming in and turning it on its head with more of an amalgamation, maybe, of both styles of football, so still taking some of that power game that, that Mourinho had bought in. And then we saw a little bit of a return to 
I don't want to say tick attacker, but more of a, a return to kind of moving the ball quickly. Now possession. we seem to be, yeah, possession based football. Possession based on it, yeah. yeah. And now we seem to be moving into this new area of the Premiership where I'm seeing it now as it's very athletic, almost mm. pure athleticism in the Premiership now. And you look at where, and I think Liverpool and I think Klopp have really heavily driven that. And obviously, Pep has heavily driven that. And it brings me to an interesting point about Pep. Pep has been able to, to play three different types of football across three different continents, seeing and understanding not only what that group of players requires to play well, but that there's different styles within different leagues. So we've seen him in Barcelona. His Barcelona teams were very soft, very tic-attackery. We've seen him in Germany where they played a big, expansive passing game. And now we've seen his teams in the Premiership where he's got hard-working wingers running down the sides. And it kind of brings me back to this, this notion that this seeking this old Arsenal way is, is somehow archaic or somehow silly from the Arsenal fans. Dan, you, you, are you sort of feeling that now is the time to stop thinking about the Arsenal way and start thinking about the Premier League way or the way to win or the path towards victory? I think that uh, football's changed. And I think when you look at what Arsene Wenger brought to, to Arsenal, it was exceptional. But one thing that I think changed him was the person you've just mentioned, and his name's Pep Guardiola. And I think when you look at the teams that he has managed, there's always been one similarity. There may be a different style of football as such, but there's been one similarity, and that has been that he's got had Sim- the best... Similarity. 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 <laughs> he's, had, he's had one similarity, and that's the fact that his fullbacks have been exceptional at every single club that he's been at. You know, if you look at Jordi Alba, and Danny Alves at Barcelona. Then you look at who he had in in Philip Lahm and, of course, da- uh, David Alaba. Uh, and then when he came to City, it was really kind of old. Uh, at the end of their career, fullbacks really in terms of Zabaleta and Zagna. Well, he worked and hard and to Colorado. get rid of them, didn't he? That was his. That was and his he did. like. And it yep. was, I need to get rid of these people and get people in. And they obviously bought, spent a lot of money on Kyle Walker, who love him or hate him, and it has been great for them. And then left back, they looked at getting players in like Mendy, uh, who went fit really quick and, and do the job. And I think that that is something that we have kind of um, struggled with over the over the kind of years, really, at fullback. I think it's been a position for us where we've never quite got it right. I think we've had good fullbacks. Um, and Arsene Wenger was never really... Um, in the same mould of Pep Guardiola with how he can make his, his fullbacks work. And I think that we've had kind of good fullbacks, but never exceptional ones that have got that pace. And if you look at what Jurgen Klopp's doing now with Liverpool, two of his best players are the best in the world in Trent Alexander-Arnold and, of course, Andrew Robertson. So th- that, for me, is is where football is changing. The fullback has become quite an important position. I think now what people need to do is wake up and have a reality check about the Arsenal way because it has been 15 years since we won a league title. It might even be 16 years, actually, now. I think it is 16 years. So we we played this attractive football. Yes, we did. And we did start to do it towards the kind of end of of Arsene Wenger's era. I think the last few seasons, it was really kind of when we started to lose players and panic buy. And this was really when we started losing players like Van Persie and the Cesc Fabregas. Then we bought players in and then we lost Sanchez. And we were just panic buying people. You know, we bought people in like Lucas Perez. Even Per Mertesacker, who was a good defender for us, was a panic buy. Mikel Arteta 
was a panic buy. These players were all replacing people that had left. So we lost our Colo Torre. We bought in a Mertesacker. We lost our Fabregas. We bought in an Arteta. And we just kind of tried to make do. And that was, I think, really where we started to let slip. I don't want this to be a, a podcast about the owner, but I think that it has to be mentioned that since he's come in, the philosophy has changed in the transfer market for us as well. And the Refresh recruitment is just poor, you know? memory. What <laughs> year? What year was the Cronky introduction? 2008 or nine was it? Yeah. So essentially well, when I... Got, you got to think as well, he only got full ownership in the last year or two. Mm. He still so would have been he, contr- he still would have been in control had, of finance. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think he had a 51% stake. So yeah, he was, you know I mean? He, he was the main so, owner, for instance. But it's, uh, you, you got to think as well... Um, Big Steve still, in we, the house. We've got Big stuff Steve. Like, you got to think as well, it's like there's been talk, I know there's been a lot of talk now about losing our soul uh, when we left Highbury, but that's the other thing as well, you see. I think this is when we started losing this Arsenal way because, like Dan was mentioning there, we were panic buying. We was buying cheap, you know, and, and I think that's the real issue. But even when you had when Chelsea first come in and they started buying players for stupid amounts of money, even back then, you know, you, you're talking 20, 30, 40 million. And that was like, Jesus Christ, that's a lot of money for a player. Well, that's, that's 60 million in new money. It, well, six, well, if we were spending probably 60, near a hundred million, if we were spending payment, 60 yeah. million on players now, we would be, ex- uh, yeah. we're expecting Obama Yanks yeah. at, at 60 million, you know, it, at 65 yeah. million. It, it's, it's, it's insanity. Well, that's, 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 that's what I was trying to say. You see, we were buying, they, well, they were buying players for, 40, 50 million back then between, you know I mean? Between 30 and 50 million, we were only spending 20 tops, you know? And I think that's the issue you see. It was, it's like Dan was saying, we were buying these cheap, you know, panic buys, the cheap, the cheaper option rather than thinking, oh, let's splash the cash a little bit and get this person or let's try and splash the cash and keep this person because there was always that wage problem that we had. We always, we always had to stick to a certain wage with players, you know, that never went over a certain amount. And that only sort of changed when Ozil got his 350k a week mm. in uh, two seasons. Well, yeah, two seasons ago. Playing so devil's advocate, yeah. was the Arsenal way the thing? Uh, and I put it in quotation marks again, because we've already uncovered in kind of the first 17, 18 minutes that even the Arsenal way under Wenger changed throughout mm. his reign. But a lot of people believe that the Arsenal way is the thing that kept us in fourth spot that kept us in the champions league even though it might have held us back from being champions you know a, a champion an actual mm-hmm. champion team people believe that the arsenal way is the thing that kept us there and i because we put this up on twitter before we went live with the show and that came up a couple of times and i kind of responded back to people and said i just think it was the state of the premier league and it was tv money that changed the scope and once TV money came in or the bigger TV money came in and it skinnied up the premiership, it made more of the, the, the general ties a battle. I don't think you could flat track bully small teams like we used to. And then you tie that in with the fact that we didn't have those players or we didn't seem to have those players who could go out and flat track bully anymore. We didn't have the Henri. Even, even let's take the Henri replacements over a period of time. So where did we go from? We went from Henri, Henri with Anelka, into Adebayor, into Van Persie. Like all of these guys ended up being top players. 
and playing at top clubs. Even at a bio, who's like a bit of a piece of fucking shit. But still, like, no, but I mean, he still went and played at like almost every top club. And Nelka went and played at almost every top club. Van Persie went and won the premiership. You know, and then after that, we start feeding into this shemak, like fucking Sonogo. And it is a very defined period in time. And it's not something that can be swept under the rug. And I guess the thing that I'm... Steve's just popped up a comment saying unlucky with Eduardo. I would say that Eduardo was in that last class of when we were still doing serious business because that two thousand that 2008 team should have won the Premier League. It's yep. after that 2008 period we go downhill and it's funny that Steve popped up before uh, 08 for Kroenke coming in. So yeah. anyway, you know, oh, I just yeah, think I just I just think that the the scope of things changed to such a degree that it's very very difficult for us to actually put fingers into you know this idea of the Arsenal way and this changing of the garden this changing of the Arsenal way um I kind of thought an interesting place for us to for us to go because seriously guys we've got no content this is Manny's show right you feel me right it is all guesswork right you know we're bruv. basically bruv like right bruv no, look, bruv yeah look, bruv, it, look here bruv right? fuck up man <laughs> I'm done with this <laughs> now look I here, bro. You forgot. You, you did forget. You, you did forget Lord Bent there in your. Uh... Did forget Lord Bent. You, no. you forgot Lord Bent there. Hello, Fergus. Fergus. Fergus, Fergus is not. Fergus is not as well. <laughs> great, great minds, Fergus, mate. That's it. And you were, and we forgot about my favourite player of all time, boys. Oh, the one, the uh... only. Theo could have been world class. Theo Walnut. It's not Theo Christ. Walnut. Fucking Scunny, don't make me. I will get on a plane. I will find out where Scunthorpe is. Because <laughs> you don't know. <laughs> and I will fucking hire a Sherpa and two fucking donkeys and a mule to get me to Scunthorpe. <laughs> really? Yes, and, I went and there. As soon as you knock on my door, mate, the fist will be there waiting. <laughs> <laughs> and then Manny will be somewhere in the background waiting to kick the shit out of me as well. If he's alive. <laughs> No, it's, I, think yeah, he, I agree with what you're saying as well, but it, you know, with the strikers and stuff, uh, but we started losing a lot of midfielders, like we mentioned about, uh, Dan mentioned about Fabregas going, you know, and Riziki was not really getting much time. He's, you know, his injury, you know, he, he had a lot of injuries. We had players like Sammy Nazari, as much as he is a massive bell end, he was a good player, but he still scored some cracking goals for us. Yeah. So it, you got to look at that. We started losing these good players, but I think you got to think as well, you see, this is the thing when Man City. This is when Man City started to come in, and if you look at the players that Man City bought in that sort of era, you got uh, uh, when they started to come through. They were buying players like Yaya Torre, Vincent Company, all big players, big, tall, strong players. But it, like we were saying about athleticism as well, they could do that. If you think back to when Arsenal started buying them type of players, you got to think back to that Invincible Zero. You, you had Henri, you had Vieira, you had Sol Campbell. These are all big, strong, athletic players. You know, even Lauren and Ashley Cole as well. And this is the difference. This is Ashley Cole. Ashley Cole. This is what I was saying about style of player as well, because we went from athletes. You look at Gilberto Silva and Vieira in the middle of our midfield, and Mm. you compare that to Danielson and Cazorla and Fabregas. They're all lightweight. 
great players, technically gifted, but well, not so much to Nilsson, but uh, technically gifted. But you look at what we've what we've changed there, and even at the back, you know, we had Sol Campbell and Kolo Torre. That changed. We looked at players that were up, uh, kind of uh, with the Burkamp physicality and Henri. Uh, for me, it just completely changed of our style of play. And the one season I will say that we should have won the league, and it was that Eduardo leg break that kind of did it for me. And 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 Clichy's, which I still don't think was a penalty, uh, kind of Gallas throwing a wobbler on the pitch and crying on the pitch that season was a season we should have won the league moving to the emirates that season it was we the last season we could have got out of that cast-offs, don't we that's the other thing yeah, we really do we have, really we have do, a man. massive thing for chelsea cast-offs we but really it's do. funny that people talk about you know the arsenal way and for me for the last period of time the arsenal way has been buying average cast-offs. players who aren't physical enough who have mm. bad injury histories mm. and cast-offs and I mean, that even continued this year with David Luiz. Now, I'll put my hand up. After absolutely slating David Luiz, he's turned a corner, except for giving away a penalty that shouldn't have been a penalty, but that's for... Sorry, except for giving away a penalty that he... Except for getting fucking sent off, giving away a penalty when he didn't Third need time to get lucky. sent off. Third time yeah, lucky, mate. mate, don't make me fucking <laughs> start on you. Um it's going to be a long ass you know, trip for you to England, isn't it? If I yeah, I've got to find you. I've got to find Dan. I've got to find Essex Manny. is well, easier to find, find the scum for, mate. Trust yeah. me. Yeah, I'll only need one donkey. <laughs> you, can't, you can't blame David Louise, Ivy. You've got to blame Mustafi for that. No, no, no. But my point was, my point was that, you know, people talk about the Arsenal way and we're talking about death to the Arsenal way. And I'm trying to get at the fact that the Arsenal way has been broken for so long that I don't think the fans really understand what the Arsenal way is. The Arsenal way is buying players like Vermaelen. The Arsenal way is making injured cunts captains. That's the fucking Arsenal way. The Arsenal way is not being able to move on players. The Arsenal way is letting players run down contracts and go on bossmans. The Arsenal way is letting the wrong players keep the contracts and letting the good players leave the club. The Arsenal way is letting Van Persie go to Man U letting Torre go to City, letting Sanya go to City, letting Nasri go to City, letting Clichy go to City. Oh, Clichy you was know, Come on. Oh, Clichy was, Clichy was not a bad, was not a bad player. Was not a bad player. I still I feel, he... I still feel as well though, that even looking at that, I'll touch on both things. Captain straight away, crazy. Vieira left and it was like, what's going to happen? We're going to give it to our best player, which is Thierry Henry. Thierry Henry leaves. Then we say, who is the best in the dressing room? William Gallas. We'll give it to William Gallas. William Gallas is a crybaby and has an absolute fit out on the pitch. Then it's given to Fabregas, who's our best player, who was a good captain, to be fair, and probably the best we've had in a while. Once he goes, it's then given to Vermeulen. Sorry, Van Persie even, because he was the best. Then Van Persie goes, which for me was worse than the cliche Adebayor, Torre, all that stuff. That was the turning point for me when he went to Manchester United. But sticking on the captains, it then gets given to <laughs> um, Vermaelen, who doesn't kick a ball. Then it gets given to Arteta, who gets put on the bench. Then it gets given to Mertesacker, who doesn't play. And then all of a sudden we get given the captaincy again. And you think, why have all these captains just do not even get on the pitch? It's basically who's good for the dressing room. Check. Kashelny, none of these people are playing enough games. So that's my first question about in terms of what you said, Max, about the Arsenal way is give the captaincy to the fucking guy who's on the bench. But also the turning point for me was Van Persie going to Man United. That was the one for me that I don't think any fan will forgive because when he goes to Manchester United, that for me was okay, now we are just giving 
away our best players to rival clubs because that was the season that they won the league. And that was the only reason they won the league because they had a player who scored 30 goals for us, stayed fit the whole season and then had 30 goals for Man United and they won the league. And that, that was the turning point for actually this club is going so backwards. It's scary. So I guess the thing now to do is to kind of get off the like suicidal negative Arsenal train because <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we are now we are now seeing life breathed breathed back into the club. Breath hath been put back into the club. A bit of fresh air, mate. <laughs> yeah. Through Mikel Arteta. Um, <laughs> and I think that the interesting thing is that now we need to move into what is going to be the Arsenal way of the next 10 years. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think it's important what we covered in the first part of the show was to kind of kill off this nostalgia towards the Arsenal way and killing off the nostalgia towards the Arsenal way with actually making people realise that we have been busted for a very long time and we were busted under Arsene Wenger. So it's not like, in some ways, I think a lot of the fans, they they have this like marker in their mind and it's like that 03 to 08 period. And that's the period they kind of hold on to. And it's, I think it's difficult for people to start realizing that that was 2008. It's 2020. We're nearly moving into 2021. Like there is just a huge huge amount of of water under the bridge for the club now but for the first time we're starting to breathe life into the club and we're starting to see something new and it's interesting because fergus put this comment up the arsenal way is fighting spirit it's not we haven't seen that for a but it's where we have to fucking go yeah i like and this is what i'm saying if the arsenal way was fighting spirit it was so long ago that it's not the Arsenal way and it hasn't been the Arsenal way for a long time. So I kind of thought we'd move into the second section of the show, even though I kind of thought nothing because this is Manny's show and I'm <laughs> covering for him because we don't know where he is and I'm making Can we it have a guess of what's going on with up. him? Can we, can we go around and just have a guess of where he he's is? He's either smoked a joint <laughs> he's, and he's gone to sleep somewhere or he's eating a minge and he's so vigorously eating the minge is using both hands to eat the minge. I mean, like a ripe peach, he's in there, right? And because of that, he can't use his hands to text and tell us that he can't make it. Fuck you, though. Or the third... <laughs> or the can, we third... Ask, can we ask the listener? You know, the people listening, put in the comments and see... Yeah, where do you think Manny's yeah, do do think think Where is Manny? Steve and all that. Where, where, where is, is Manny? Where is Manny? It's like Where's Wally, except the Black Edition... So he's even harder to find, <laughs> <laughs> especially at night. <laughs> in Malta, go Fergus, Fergus has put in Malta. Well, that would that would link in with the minge, Fergus. He is he, he may be balls deep in. Maybe he logged on. There was like a five quid Ryanair flight. He's jumped on the Ryanair flight and he's just up to his elbows in minge. <laughs> He's got his oh, wordies right. on because he's knee-deep in clunch. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's just reminded me about that bloody scene in in between. I bet he's doing that, isn't he, in a club? <laughs> <laughs> Ryan, Ryan, that's quality. Ryan's put, lost in white booty. <laughs> oh, let's get back to this, man. Uh, Sorry, man. I so, don't even know what the fuck you asked now, mate. <laughs> I was saying that 
because we can't look back, because essentially the Arsenal way is dusted and we've proven that the Arsenal way is dusted and that we're moving forward, I guess maybe we should handle the bridging period because it's a, it's a, it's a good question. Was anyone in the room particularly upset with 17-17 undefeated under Unai Emery? Was anyone particularly upset there? Because the football wasn't great. It wasn't the Arsenal way. But we were winning and we were scrapping and we were scraping through. And a lot of people, uh, Fergus in the comments especially, you know, would say that it's all about fight and it's all about desire. But we did lose our identity throughout that Unai Emery period. Scunny, how did you feel throughout that period and how did you feel about the shift in identity? I know there was there was Arsene Wenger moving out and that was like, you know, like our, uh, our father leaving and, and Unai Emery was like our stepdad coming in. But... Did you feel the massive shift there or were you, like I was, just focused on results? I just wanted to see results, I think. Um, after the <clears throat> Arsene Wegner, it was nice to have something fresh, something new. Uh, I had all hope for Emery doing well and yet yeah, Fergus is right there. Look, 22 games undefeated, not 17. Thank you. And, uh... Thank you, thank you, Fergus. Fucking overwatching. Backseat <laughs> podcasting. <laughs> Stop trying Sorry, to control Scotty. it, Fergus. Yeah. <laughs> I will kick you out of this room. If I knew how to use this program, I would kick you out of this room. <laughs> yeah, where was I? Yeah. Um, I don't it, know. It's it was shambles. Nice to have something fresh, something new. It's, it's gone, hasn't it? It's really gone. And uh, it's so yeah, and when and when we did go then 22 games undefeated, yeah, there wasn't convincing, there wasn't brilliant, but it was nice to see that we was actually winning. We was doing something. It was it was going. It, we was going for it, and then it just all collapsed. And I was like, "Oh!" And then it, it's just that it just turned into that old Arsenal way. I'm, I'm saying the Arsenal way. It just turned into that old Arsenal way that we knew towards, you know, into the back end of Arsene Wenger's season, where we just folded like origami, mm. you know. And it just, it just, it got back to that. And I just thought, it, it, you just got, you, you don't want to see that anymore. You don't want to, you want to see some fight. Everyone wants to see some fight, like we did on Tuesday. Um, mm. that's what we want, and and that's what the fans want. This is this is what everybody wants, and you could tell that by being in the stands. You could tell that, and it was like I, like I said on the Guns and Yellow Ribbons podcast, it was just non-stop singing throughout because the fans could feel it. You could sense it, and and obviously the players could feel that they must have felt the fans and everything else going through, and it must have given them that some sort of boost. So it, it's nice to see that sort of thing. And and when the fans react to it, it it's better for all of us. Mm. Mm. Dan, did you, get... uh, did you, throughout that Unai Emery period, obviously throughout the good Unai Emery period, or the quotation marks, good Unai Emery period, were you craving the Arsenal way? Were you craving ticker-tacker goals and Jack Wilshire? Because even under Emery, I would argue, two. I, I think two of the best goals in recent memory came under Emery. There's an Ozil goal in there, uh, which is absolutely fantastic, uh, which is like the, the little tick attacker, and then he one-touches it into the bottom corner. You've got the Aaron Ramsey back heel. You've got the Aubameyang mega goal under the Emery period. But people still complained that it wasn't the Arsenal way. I think that my my big one of my biggest debates I had when Arsene Wenger was leaving was the amount of abuse I received when I wanted Diego Simeone to be in charge of Arsenal and people's reply to that was oh I don't want Simeone because it's not the Arsenal way we'll win 1-0 or 2-1 
what you'd be complaining if we won one nil and two one because I certainly would not and I think that's where the reality doesn't kick in so when it comes to the Uno Emery stuff when we were actually scoring some goals playing out from the back and we were starting to play some nice football I was happy 22 games undefeated I was happy and I still stand by the facts that I think that Uno Emery at that stage got the best and maximum out of that squad which I thought was pretty bang average I just think it got to the last few games there was there was tired there was exhaustion the team wasn't quite good enough to rotate I remember us playing uh, El Nenny in the middle with Maitland-Niles and Kalasanak and then Guendouzi. That was our kind of midfield against Everton, Palace and Leicester. Of course, we got annihilated in all three games and that ultimately mm. essentially lost us the top four battle. So that was a kind of turning point for Unai Emery. He'd lost the dressing room and a lot of the players, to be fair, their attitude stunk and they just down tools on him. But it was just an interesting one for me about why I would have wanted to see Diego Simeone because it was a different style and it wasn't the Arsenal way. I was fed up of the Arsenal way of losing games by conceding four goals but trying to score five. That was just enough for me. I'd had enough of that. Uh, I wanted to see somebody who can organise us and put some steel back into it and some fight back into the side. Um, and it's interesting because Fergus brings up George Graham 1-0 to the Arsenal. Nobody was complaining when we were at Anfield 89. Nobody was complaining in kind of the 91 season where we lost one game of football playing the boring, boring football 1-0 to the Arsenal. I quite enjoyed that when it was the young time of my career supporting Arsenal with Ian Wright and kind of Dennis Burkamp and all those players and the Paul Mersons and Alan Smiths of this world. So when it was 1-0 and 2-1 under the Simeone, I really wouldn't have cared. And that's what he's doing at Atletico Madrid. Um, I think he would have been a, a great appointment and I still stand by that. Um, they wanted, the board wanted to go with Unai Emery because he's, he had an attacking style and he did have an attacking style. But for me, I'd have taken Simeone still any day of the week. I mean, the purpose of Emery was to finally give us a manager who was maybe going to be able to be tactically flexible, was willing to change within games. And these were the things we liked about him. I mean, early on, it was actually the opposite of the Arsenal way that got us excited about Unai Emery. We were bored of the Arsenal way. Unai Emery was new pussy. Arsene Wenger was the same, you know, Arsene Wenger was your missus that you've been fucking putting away for 10 years. And you know... All of it. You know, all of it. You know, where the bits are, you know. <laughs> and all of a sudden you got this, and you're like, oh, fuck. <laughs> Tits and clunge, you know. <laughs> but then it you're, led you're us. You're a fucking nightmare, you, man. Yeah, but then it <laughs> led us this down. This is always your fault. This is always your fault. Yeah, but in, the end, in the end, it led us down, and we ended up dreaming of the old clunge. We ended up dreaming of that battered old ass and Wenger. And now, you know, we, we, we went through that stage where we're almost like, I hope we're going into like a new marriage now. Like Arsene Wenger was our marriage. And then Unai Emery was like our Essex bird on the side who, you know, started off, we were thinking she Nothing was really good. Nothing wrong with good. Essex girls. Nothing yeah, wrong with Essex girls, mate. Then she gave us an STD. And now we've moved into <laughs> Unai Emery. Essex girls, are you, are you sure about that, mate? There's that one left, isn't there? <laughs> yeah, there's one or two, mate. Yeah. yeah. Now we've moved into Mikel Arteta. And I think the interesting thing about Mikel Arteta is that the reason why we can look forward to maybe a new Arsenal way or putting this, this Arsenal way comment to bed is that for me, Mikel Arteta is going to blend the two. For me, Mikel Arteta is connected enough to the club from the past that he understands the fan base and he understands what it was to be an Arsenal player and what it was to play the Arsenal way, even though he didn't come in in our heyday. And even though I would say he came in 
really in a period of time which maybe marked the decline of the football club. Tell me if you think that's harsh. Put it in the comments. Mm. But Arteta's come in and he understood what the club wanted. But he's also gone and worked with someone like Pep with the modern football approach. So what I'm really hoping moving forward is that we can is that Mikel Arteta is going to be able to marry up these two and we're going to be able to see some of the Arsenal way, which the guys in the comments are saying, fight, heart, desire, accountability. And we've seen that, I think, in the Man U game. We've seen that in a half against Chelsea. We've seen that in the entire game against Chelsea. I think we saw that in parts even against Palace, coming back against Leeds. You know, these are things that we haven't had. And I think that one of the things that's getting really, really heavily overlooked and where I can hope we can move into for the last 20 minutes of this fucking train wreck of a podcast um, is the idea that it is actually the players and the recruitment that is ultimately going to define football. So, yes, the manager is going to define the style of football, but without backing and without the right players, we're not actually going to be able to see I guess the full view of what Arteta has in mind. And I thought what would be interesting would be to have a look at the squad right now as it stands and to go through and say, to go to go through and, and pick out the players who we think are players moving forward who are going to allow Mikel mm. Arteta to redefine the football club. Good shout. I like that. <clears throat> so starting with you, Dan, uh, I think we're all in agreement that at goalkeeper, we have a player in Bernd Leno who we can we can build around. Hundred mm, percent, Leno for me. I think he gets uh, a, a kind of not enough credit. If I'm honest with you, I, I feel that there's so been a. I agree. Mm. Say again. Say again. I was just about to say when you said is is he don't get enough credit, and I was just saying he is so underrated. It's unreal. Under yeah, the radar. I think yep. so. You look at the amount of saves he's made most games. He's made the most saves this season in the Premier League. I also feel that he is uh, a safe pair of hands, and I know that's a strange thing to say for for a goalkeeper at Arsenal, but I feel he is. I also don't get nervous when the ball is passed back to him, and in this back four, we should be, but we're not, and I think that goes unnoticed as well because if that was Petr Cech, you saw what he's like clearing the ball from his feet mm. at 36 years old. And I don't get that with Leno. I think sometimes his distribution can be a bit better. I also feel that there are times where you just want to see him clear the clear the ball uh, out wide to the wings if he does get under pressure. But for me, I like the way that he, he has got about this modern goalkeeper. And when I look at the money we got him for, 26 million, that's a steal when you look at Kepa, who was 75 million. Scunny, into the back four which is a, a point of conjecture, a big point of conjecture. I guess looking at centre-backs, for me, Rob Holding and Callum Chambers are absolutely serviceable, but maybe as squad players with the possibility of developing. But I guess you would agree, like every Arsenal fan, we don't need to spend a great amount of time on it. Uh, we, yeah, we're putting a lot of... We're really pushing the chips into the middle of the table on Saliba now as Arsenal fans. I mean, most of us haven't even seen him play haven't seen him play live everyone seems to have an opinion on him I also think he's played four games so far this season in the league one yep yep so I mean I guess that's something that we've got to address and that we know that we've got to address Uh, at wing back our first bit of business you know probably coming in in the summer I mean I don't want to make this a transfer pod because until it's signed sealed and delivered I don't really give a fuck and that's why the Ars brothers has avoided all forms of rumors because that's what they are but I guess if you're looking at building a team around these guys you know Maitland Niles for me 
just to touch on him, is more of the archetypal modern right back and more of the style of play. Like if I'm looking at a city and I'm thinking, what would Pep do? You know, I know we, we, we shouldn't sort of get too caught up in Pep, but, you know, he is a highly successful manager and our, our current club yeah. manager has come from his tutelage. I think Ainsley Maitland-Niles is more of the type of player that they'd be looking at with pace, with power, with running. So I think that you can sit there and at least start building a team around Maitland-Niles as a squad player. Bellerin's an interesting one. I know he's just scored this goal, right? But it wasn't just his goal. I think on Tuesday. Sorry, man. I'm going to interrupt. I don't think. No, it was no, no. Go. Goal. I'm just. I'm making it, it up. It was as his I go whole this work point. rate. It was his whole work rate, and it was with him being his first game back. And uh, I mentioned it on a different pod as well. You know, I'm. I'm not going to discredit Maitland Niles at all. I think he's had a great last few games, and with Bellerin coming back, and I thought against Chelsea, I thought he was going to struggle, but he, for me. He would have. He was Barry Martinelli, and I would say he's a very, very close second. He was my man of the match. Mm. Uh, Martinelli obviously pipped him to it. I thought, but I just think with with Bellerin, I think you can work with him, and I think he's he's shown a lot of promise. And why, well, Steve? There, yeah, I agree, Steve. Yeah, definitely. He was definitely a proper captain's performance with Bellerin. So I think you could work with him, and I, I honestly think he would be willing to work with as well. You know, I think he'd be willing to change things. I think he'd be willing to move forward and progress his own career. Whereas we have seen with a few other people, uh, you know, I mean, a few different players down the line, like, you know, I won't compare anyone now, but I'm sure people can think of other people uh, that don't want to develop their careers. They just want to stay stagnant and be in that same role mm. and do the same thing that they've done for years on end. But I think Bellarim could be one to work around. But yes, with Maitland-Niles, I agree. I think he could be that, if he wanted, if he wanted to, and we know beforehand that he said he doesn't like playing as a right back, he prefers playing in the midfield. But if he wanted to, I think he could cement that right back position. Mm. I think what's mm. an interesting point. Sorry, Max. What's an interesting point for me is I wasn't a fan of Maitland Niles under Unai Emery. I think that he was he was quite clear that he's come out and said he didn't want to play at right back. I've never been a fan of Kalasanac, and I certainly wasn't a fan of Kalasanac under Unai Emery. I also wasn't really seeing what Bellerin was doing under Unai Emery, and I wasn't really suggesting that, uh, that, that Saka was ever going to be a left back. But what we're seeing now is all four of those players playing well. And it's because Mikel Arteta is playing a style that is so important with fullbacks. And all four of them have had a good start to the to the Mikel Arteta um, era, in my opinion. So you look at what Saka's doing now at left-back. Now, I personally don't believe that's his definite position. Yeah, I still but that's, he can do a lot system, more. It's system-based, Dan. It's not even exactly. player-based. That's what I'm saying. It's system-based. Look at Granite Jacker. Granite Jacker, since the change in system since he's been protected, since he has stopped getting turned because he's now pulling into essentially a back three role, which means mm. he's facing the defense. He's not having to turn. Sorry, he's facing the attack. He's not having to turn and follow them. And he's not a bad stand-up defender. He'll make his fouls. Yes, but he's fucked when he has to turn. It, it's like, I mean, even look at the performances of Louise. Even look at the performance of fucking Mustafi. I mean, no. outside, no. Of when he, outside of when he went full Mustafi, he was cracking. If he doesn't make that mistake and he plays that game, we're giving him positive he points. Just, he won just one mistake in the Chelsea game. He had a few when he got lucky with a, with a few others. But, but yeah, I would say that he had a good, good game, version of himself. United. Yeah. 
But oh, yeah, can't stand the stuffy. No, <laughs> no. Nor can I, but I'm, no. trying to, I'm trying to pull down on the, trying to pull the, down yeah, on the concept. I know what you're saying. Yeah. That we can saying. get more out of these players just through being tactically aware. Now, if I'm looking at players who I don't want to build the club around, I still don't want to build the club around Xhaka. There's two reasons why I don't want to build the club around Xhaka. Number one, I think there's too much scar tissue there with the Arsenal fans now. It's like when your missus cheats on you. You can take her back. She can say she loves you, but guess what? You'll always smell that dick on her breath, and you'll know it's there forever, right? <laughs> and for me, Granite Xhaka has sucked someone else's dick. Yeah. Yeah. And I'll always know it, and he'll well, that, always know the, it. That's the thing about Mustafi, isn't it? There's always that one time that he will go full Mustafi. Never go full Mustafi. He goes full Mustafi. He went full I Mustafi Chelsea. So those are the reasons why I don't want to build it around Xhaka. But in saying that, I was very, very big on the idea that I wanted him immediately out of the club. Mm. Since Arteta has come in and, and made a system or created a tactical system where we're now getting the most out of him, and we've essentially seen about three games, three or four games on the bounce with Xhaka, not necessarily where he's been fantastic, but where you've not noticed him as much, and I had him as, as pretty much man of the match in the last game, a heroic effort going into centre-back. Yeah. I thought he was class, yeah. But what's happened is Xhaka has now moved down my list of priorities for replacement. So because we're not a city, because we're not a Chelsea and we're not going to go and throw a menu, we're not going to go throw 400 million pounds at it. What we have to do as Arsenal fans is we have to look at prioritisation of different areas where we need reinforcement. For me now, that money that I was desperate to spend on, on replacing Granite Xhaka or selling him and replacing him, that's moved down the pecking order. So, I mean, now I'm looking at, really, it, it's two centre-backs for me. Like, that's it, That's imperative that we bring in two centre-backs. Really, for me, it's now that maybe we bring in someone to compete in that midfield spot because I think that we're a player short. And it's going to bring me into a, a, a little piece. I know we're talking about death to the Arsenal way. And a little bit of that death to the Arsenal way comes into this statement. I'll put it to you first, Potsy. The number 10, the traditional number 10 in a premiership football is dead. Yep. Death to the Arsenal way means death to Mesodosal. I agree. And I think that you only got to look at Liverpool and that is exactly what they've done. They sold Coutinho, who was a number 10 for 145 million, bought Van Dijk and Allison, dropped him, gone into that free of hard working midfield in Henderson, Fabinho, Wijnaldum, Oxley, Chamberlain, Chiesa, doesn't matter who plays. The three of them all work hard and understand. Even if James Milner's thrown in there, he does a job. And I think that's what we've got to look at. Even Kevin De Bruyne is not playing as a number 10 for Man City as such now because it's just a dead position. And I think that with the rumours of Danny Ceballos going and the Meza Ozil form or whatever you want to call it, whatever he's doing, walking around on the pitch, you're absolutely right, Max, 100%. I'll be looking at that. And I think in position-wise, I think that in the summer, you're right about two centre-backs, whether Saliba's going to be ready to start and throw him back in. I would, say two, I would say two plus I would say Saliba. Two, and I would agree with that. I would, And I think that that's right. But also one beast of a midfielder, and I mean a beast. Mm. Somebody like that, Ibrahim Sangari from Toulouse. Somebody like that, Samari from Lille. Somebody like Decore from Watford, who's going to be presence in that midfield that we haven't had since Patrick Vieira or Gilberto Silva. Somebody who can understand how to dictate a game and just be that Wilfred Ndidi or that N'Golo Kante that we are so lacking. So for me, even with those three positions, <laughs> I would 100% say 
What's that say? Nate's <laughs> discussing it. He asked Mike the way Franklin. In a constant, constant prolapse. Pro well, there's the uh, name of the show. Thank I you, think Mike. you're right. I think <laughs> you're right. But that for me would instantly stabilize where we'd be lacking. And I believe that we'd be able to compete. And, and, and under Arteta, I think that that is the way forward. And it's interesting about the fullback situation because I really do stick by that. I think that Kieran Tierney and Bellerin will be even better fullbacks under Mikel Arteta. Mm. Look, I have to just question a little bit now because three weeks ago, I would have agreed with you on the Sangari, on the beast of a midfielder. Having watched Torreira go back to defensive midfielder after early in the season, me making comments like, he's too small, he's not suited to the premiership. I retract all of that and I did it publicly on Twitter. I was like, I'll put that on Emery. He made him look like a turd, right? Since literally, if Torreira goes down right now, we're fucked. Yeah, he is that I pivotal to what we do. I mean, we are fucked. Everyone else in the team could go down. If Torreira goes down, we're straight back to playing the Emery way. The reason why we're straight back to playing the Emery way is we cannot build a cohesive midfield around Genduzi or around Xhaka because Xhaka needs to be protected and hidden and Genduzi essentially needs to be given a free roll because he doesn't have the power to turn around. He gets overrun. And I really like Genduzi, but he's got legs like toothpicks and he's got the explosion of a wet fucking sparkler at a kid's birthday. <laughs> I dragged that one right out of the fucking rectum. I didn't know where I was going. Oh. <laughs> but for me, no, when, I, I, when, I, I when we were talking that. about Sangares and guys like that, that was what I thought before I'd kind of seen Xhaka return to some form in a cohesive system. And oh, now man. I'm not saying I'm not saying I want to keep Xhaka because my preference would still still be to replace him and bring someone else in. What I'm talking yeah. about is is prioritization and whether we are or aren't going to be able to bring in a load of people. So on that, Dan, I kind of agree with you. But what I think is if we're going to build a cohesive midfield three and Torreira is going to be that bulldog sitting in, either side of him, what we need is a passer and a power runner, mm. a power runner with goals because we've got no fucking goals from the midfield. We've got no connective player from the midfield. And as someone who towards the end of Aaron Ramsey's career, except for the flashes that he showed us when he kind of made us re-remember why we liked him, I don't think that I can remember a time of our style being dismantled so much by losing a particular type of player. And that's late runs into the box, arriving late, goals from midfield, we have now shipped out, I, I know I'm going to get given shit for this, but we've now shipped out Theo Walcott, averaged 15 goals a season, and I think seven assists every season throughout his Arsenal career. We've now shipped out Aaron Ramsey, who was a 15-goal-a-year player. We've shipped out Mikatarian, who was a 10 or 12-goal-a-year player. We've lost Rosicki, who was a, a an 8 to 10-goal-a-year player, but scored in big games. You look at what we've got now. We've got Mesut fucking no goals, who's also mm. now called Mesut fucking no assists. We've got Genduzi. No who's two not players, do you know two players that me and Manny brought up, and you might laugh at this, that we got rid of, that we has affected us this season more than we would ever have thought? Alex Awobi and Danny Welbeck, because yep. they had pace, they had power, and they did not stop running. And yep. they would give 110%, you know? So there's another two for you. So yeah, I, I'm, agree. I'm, I agree with the uh, Iwobi one. Sorry, I'm going to put a point. I agree with the Iwobi one and the Welbeck, definitely. <laughs> but I think with Martinelli pushing his way through, I don't think we're missing Iwobi half as but much again, as But again, it's too, it's too high up the pitch. That's what I'm saying. 
the attacking threat is too high up mm. the pitch and we need those late runners. I mean, for me, for the last two years of Alex Awobi, I was crying out for him to be played on the left of a midfield three where he didn't have to be at the pointy end so much, where he could do the power running, where he could pick the ball up, where he could make a pass, where all of a sudden he wasn't expected to score 15 goals a year. He was expected to chip in with five goals a year. You know, we just don't have the goals from anywhere. So when I'm looking at the transfer market, it comes back to my very roundabout point, Dan, and I'm looking at like Sangare and guys like this, I'm thinking I I may want someone who has more goals in them than that. And I definitely want to build this team around Torreira. I've I've come full circle. I've retracted everything. When we're talking about players Arteta can build around, Torreira is a guy you can build around. You can build around his work. We saw Torreira, didn't we, do that in Unai Emery's start. You know, he was exactly the same. And then all of a sudden he starts playing up top and we don't know why. Now he's gone back to his ways. I would say, Max, that if we got a Sangare or a Decore, whoever it is, then you get somebody else with that guy to replace Granit Xhaka. And that person who replaces Granit Xhaka is the person who scores those goals. I don't know who that is yet, but that would be good to see a beast, Torreira. And then you know what? That one's going forward, backwards, forwards, backwards, forwards to do that. And Decore might even be that guy because Decore is more of a box-to-box than an actual holding. I just don't know whether he's got got the goals, Decore. Maybe not, maybe not. This this is the thing in it, and I agree with what Max is saying here, that the problem is that Xhaka's made himself... At this moment in time, under Arteta, he's made himself pretty much irreplaceable in some respect. Mm. You know, um, or he's, he's put like like we were saying earlier, um, he's put himself. He's gone from the top of the transfer list down to you know midpoint. He's, yeah. he's put himself under other people, and so yeah, I agree with what Max is saying. And if we get someone like Decore or something like, that, we are going to miss them goals from midfield, and even with the Xhaka... Uh, Torreira and Decore. We need someone else in there. I think you, we need to be sort of realistic in some point. It's okay trying to get rid of Granite Xhaka, but who we've got to replace that person as well as name- buy somebody else as well to replace mm-hmm. Ozil. So you've got to, we've got to think right. Who do we want rid of first? Do we want rid of Xhaka or do we want rid of Ozil? Well, yeah, no, well for that's me, what, that's Ozil, what I mean about we've got to go away. Yeah, yeah, can I? You've got, you've got to prioritize. Shout can out I to Sean Cannelly, who's just popped up. Granite Shack has been one of our best players the last four to five weeks. Sean, pop yeah. down in the comments if prior to this four to five weeks, you wouldn't have pissed in his ass if his shit was on fire. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think to be fair as well, I'm thinking about it, what we were saying earlier, um, when you were saying earlier about uh, Welbeck, Dan, and Safan, obviously I said that to you guy. at first, I said, yeah, we have. We have uh, we have missed him, but I think the only reason why we've missed Danny Welbeck is because Lacazette has been so poor in front of goal. I don't mm. think we would be missing Welbeck half as much if Lacazette was scoring. I just I, I kind think of feel like we issue. don't miss Welbeck as a striker. We missed Welbeck as a winger. But I don't, I don't feel our wingers at the minute was wide. Yeah. You yeah, know, I think back to that Fulham game where he legitimately like carved a fucking flat top into his cock. And injected it into Fulham. <laughs> I don't even know how. I don't even know. I just, oh, when I pictured what? Danny Welbeck's man, dick, I picture it with a flat top. I don't know. And it's early in the Where morning. Where does this I've all come from, man? I don't know, man. Can I, put, can I put a name forward to you both to think of a midfielder that we could sign realistically that could score us goals? Jack Grealish. Yep. Would you take him? Yeah, I'll tell, you who, the other, I'll tell you who the other one I like as well is McGinn, also at Villa. Same oh, yeah, thing. Late, late runs decent into the box, and I'm not saying like one of the way one of the areas I was sort of hoping to get to by the end of this 
was the idea that for a long time we've been building a very thin team. And now we've got this, either we're in a great position or the position we're in is ultimately going to let us down. And so either way, I, I guess let's just throw it out there. Right now, what we seem to have is a squad that should be sitting underneath a squad of better players. So, you know, I know Steve's in the room. I know Steve's got a big, big chubby for the youth and a big chubby for the kids. We like to have our chats online and talk about it. My biggest, my biggest, my biggest issue with these kids isn't that they're coming through the team. It's that they're coming through the team and people are thinking that they need to be first team players that they need to be first squad players. And for me, these guys are nothing more than guys who should be coming off the bench. Now, if we're able to execute these guys feeding into the squad over the next three to five years, <laughs> Steve's just put up, can we rephrase that? <laughs> for legal reasons. <laughs> he does have a chubby for the kids. <laughs> now I've completely lost my... Train of thought. Thanks, Steve and Ryan, you fuckos. Anyway, get together, boys. Professionalism. Be better That's than gone the out rest. the window hours ago, mate. Oh. Oh, cool. Cool. <laughs> but what I'm hoping is that the kids are going to form the sub-squad. The kids are going to form the squad underneath the squad, and then we go into the market and we buy top players. So I'm hoping that the gu your guys like Willock, are going to come through well enough that they can come off the bench and be effective. Your ESRs can come off the bench and be effective. Your Ainsley Maitland-Nileses can interchange with your Hector Bellerins and still be effective. But that doesn't reduce the need for us to go and buy what looks to be like five first-team players. And I'd like to see the age demographic of those first-team players be pushing more towards 23, 24 than down towards this kind of like 19, 20, 21 kind of area so that we can start to reestablish a team of men. And the last time I remember us having a real team of men is probably when I go back to 2006 and I think about your Perez's and I think about your Gilberto's and I think about your Campbell's, you know, even your layman's. Like none of these guys were kids. These guys were established they were grown-ups. They knew what it was to win. They knew what it was to lose. They knew what it was to hang on, to come back, to win trophies. And so to kind of get to a roundabout point, I guess the new Arsenal way, like the way it has to be for the future, is to have a mentality of winning again, or at least to have a mentality of, of fighting. And I don't know whether when you lean on that quantity of kids coming through all at once, I, I don't know whether you can expect them to be able to do what a top team would do. And when you look across the top teams in the Premier League now, how many kids they got playing? How many kids have they got starting? One? Maybe two? I mean, even like that City lad who everyone's losing it about, what's his name? Foden. Phil Foden, yeah. Even Foden, who I would argue is better than anything that we've got at the club in a similar age bracket, even he can't push his way into the City team because they recognize that they need to be going and buying established players to win in the league. So is that the sorts of players that we need to be looking at in the transfer window? Established premiership players of a slightly older age demographic that we can still get three to five years out of. Mm, I think so. I, I, I said we didn't have to look far, you know, and I wouldn't, wouldn't bother me if we went and put in a bid for Lewis Dunk, Nathan Aki, Connor Cody, somebody who's Premier League uh, experienced, 
that has an understanding of a bit of an old school defending. Uh, I've mentioned the Corey already. I think that he's going to be a great lad. Or even if you looked at um, the Leeds uh, defensive midfielder against us, he was absolutely top drawer. I remember me and Scully talking about Calvin Phillips mm, and saying how great he looked. Yeah. So it wouldn't bother me that as long as Arteta believes that he can coach them into a way that he believes we can go forward with it, then I'm not bothered by that. And I said that right at the start. If he could get hold of people like Callum Chambers, Rob Holding, Kieran Tierney, Bellerin, Saka, Guendouzi, Martinelli, and say to them, you are young enough to be coached into the mould that I want to see you be coached in then I'll have it. What I didn't want to see was the senior players getting thrown in and just sticking with them because at the moment it was looking like they just down tools on Emery and I still stand by that. What I have seen is a real improvement with some of these young lads. Even Gendouzi come on Tuesday night and was back to his old self, which I love to see. Real passion, really giving it as all. Um, and I looked at the, the, the likes of Martinelli's performance and it was just absolute joy to watch. And I just want to see that and think, do you know what? I'm actually really looking forward at the moment to see what uh, Arteta can do with some more of these young players and try and improve them. Because I look at it now and think we've got Bellerin and Tierney. We've got Torreira. They're all still in their early 20s. We've only really got the likes of Meza Urzu and Aubameyang uh, and the likes of the old guys at the back that are moving into their 30s. Everybody else well, is Urzo's fairly young. Fuck off. So, yeah. And I still believe some of the others have as well. Don't get me wrong. I still yeah. would get look to get rid of Socrates, Luis, Kalasanak, these sort of players. But I look at the youngsters and I think, actually, I'd keep the majority of them. And I would make a case for most of them now. Yeah. And, and that's what I'm getting at. I would keep majority of them, but I wouldn't keep majority of them and believe that they're going to be the guys who, for the immediate future, Agreed. are going to get us back to top of the pops. I think Agreed. they need to be fed top into the, the team. Top of the Good pops. Good they need to be one. fed in. Uh, they need to be playing 20 games a year. we got to go in a tick because I've got to go play golf because um, it's Friday and that's what I do. But just quickly, I've forgotten what the fuck I was going to say now. Nope, it's gone. It's gone. It entered I'll my brain I'll, and it I'll fucking it. left my brain. Bro. Wait, wait, I've got Bro. it. I've got it. Bro. Just got quickly, it. three players right now who need to go. So three players right now. Let's just say that Arsenal are only able, and let's say it's outs and ins, right? So out and in, out and in, out and in. Three players out and in who need to be replaced as priority in summer. Going to go first, Scunny, or do you want me to go first? Ozil, Mustafi, and uh, I'm just trying to think. I can't think of who else at the minute. Uh, I would... Yeah, I would, I would, have, go. would have been my other one, but because, like you say, he's, over the last couple of games, he's been, he's been playing better. It's it's quite a difficult one. Now. I, I would argue that it is Ozil, Mustafi, Socrates. That if you just did those three players, you brought in a dominant goal-scoring midfielder, more in the shape of Aaron Ramsey, remove Mesut Ozil, you lose Mustafi and you lose Socrates and you bring in two centre-backs hmm. that essentially we, the whole scope... Well, yeah. Yeah, the whole scope changes for next season. We might just have enough with that to get ourselves somewhere near top four. Depending well, on who we bring in. Well, uh, that, with me, or sorry, with Socrates, with me, it, it all depends on how Xhaka goes from between now and the summer transfer. Window. You know he'll fuck up again, though, yeah. don't you? You oh, know, yeah, he's, yeah. You know he, he, he's not a different player. He's mm. still the same player. He's still the same guy. It's just within this system, his frailties are being hidden. That doesn't mean he's not going to give a Brighton penalty away. That's still in it. We've yeah. just seen five games where it, it's not going to happen. Dan, three players as a priority for you. Who's gone? 
Uh, I would agree 100% Ozil. I would agree 100% Mustafi. And you know who I'm going to pick, and it's going to be Kolasinac, because I don't believe personally he's worth the £125,000 a week. I think we can get somebody better, or we could look at Tierney and Saka as an option there, because Saka's come in and we haven't missed Kolasinac. So that would be it. The only reason I wouldn't say Socrates and Chaka is because at the moment we're short in that position, and I believe we could let Kolasinac, Ozil and Mustafi go, and we'd be absolutely fine still. So mm. there for me, would be the three that I'd go for. Mm. Good shout, good shout. So, boys, we've uh, we're going to keep it down to a reasonable amount today because uh, this has just been a treasure trove. Out of a window on it, a treasure trove of garbage. This has really just been three mates sitting around having a chat today, <laughs> which is what the Ass Brothers do. Um, guys in the chat, thanks for listening to this debaucherous load of shit, Scunny and Dan. Uh, thanks for coming in. Dan, you are you're doing lots. You're on lots of pods at the moment, but your main one that you're concentrating on at the moment is the pots preview. Uh, you want to plug? <laughs> Go forth and plug, brother. You don't even need to fucking plug. Cheers, man. It's so fucking big anyway. Plug something else. Uh, plug your next no, door fucking not, neighbor. It's not. It's not. It's not. It's it's not amazingly big, but it, it's doing quite well. So that's nice. Um. So yeah, same old Arsenal podcast. Please come along and um, subscribe. Um, Pots previews are going most weeks now, trying to preview most of the games, as many games as we can, and get opposition fans on as well to see what they think about Arsenal at the moment, but more importantly about what we're expected when we come up against them. So please come on to YouTube and, and take a look at that. Obviously, you'll see me and Scunny and Max on Guns and Yellow Ribbons as well. Uh, so, yeah, come and uh, join in the podcast fun and come back and join us on Ask Brothers because it's very different in comparison to other podcasts that we say that. <laughs> Scunny, as always, the guys can catch you as a semi-regular on Guns and Yellow Ribbons, and they can also um, hit you up on your on your Twitter tag. What's your Twitter, mate? It's there. There. That, <laughs> that. There. That's Gunny Mike. Ask that bros, thank funny. you so much. Stay tuned for the outro music because it's coming. Oh, God, no. And I will, fucking, I will again, remember to turn off the fucking broadcast this time because last week I forgot to turn the broadcast off. And there's all these fucking comments on the bottom going, we can still see you, dickhead. And I was like, <laughs> oh, fuck. But could they, but could they see Manny? Because they're not going to see him tonight. No, they're not going to see him. And Manny, we hope you're Alive. loving life. Loving life, <laughs> both hands deep in clunge. All right, guys, I'll catch you later. Hold on, how the fuck do I do this? Wait. Fucking ass brothers. See you later, cunts. Fucking ass brothers. <laughs> Wait, I haven't fucking ended it again. <laughs> That's just as bad as what the intro was. Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs>